following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw, for our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. In the last few weeks, we've been talking about different spiritual practices, okay, in this series called Growing Up. And we've looked at prayer, scripture, serving, um, fasting, and today we're going to look at generosity. So the thing about these practices that hopefully you're learning is that they don't really come easy. Um, if, they, if they did, maybe they wouldn't be growing up. They'd be, I don't know, called having fun or something or taking the easy road, um, but instead they're called growing up, so there implies a bit of um, challenge there. They take time and they take trial and error and they take a lot of sacrifice, and more often than not, they take a lot of sacrifice. But as we grow in these disciplines, we hopefully grow towards God um, and how to honour him and become more aware of the people around us. So this past January, I got to think a little bit about disciplines. Um, I was able to house sit for uh, Claire and Henry, and many of you who um, follow me on Facebook would see that I fell in love with their dog, Bonnie. Um, and we've just got a picture of Bonnie and I, I think. Um, there we go. So that's Bonnie and I, and then Bonnie in the back seat when we went for a bit of an adventure with another dog. Um, she wasn't so convinced about being in the boot. That was why she was like hands forward, you know, wanted to be in the, in the party space. But anyway, so I spent a month um, looking after Bonnie, and it got me thinking quite a bit about um, disciplines, weirdly enough, um, because I got to know her and realized that she'd been really well trained by her owners. Okay, So she was able to respond to quite a few different commands, not just, you know, sit, um, I don't know, roll over, food, you know, responding to her name, but she could also do, you know, high fives um, and handshakes. Pretty, cru you know, pretty crucial dog skills there. Um, and it wasn't just because you were the person that gave her her food, that wasn't the only reason that she responded to those things, but also because you were the one that spent time with her, um, went, took her out for walks, invested in her and looked after her. So I'm sure it wasn't an easy process. I didn't have to do any of the training because she's not a puppy now, but she was really well trained by her owners, um, and I'm sure that took a lot of work and a lot of treats to result in such a well-trained animal. Um, but in a similar way, I think that we become trained towards um, our father, our owner, our master, however you want to put it, and I think that's with the Spirit's help and guidance and also the example of Jesus, that we become transformed into creatures that really desire our master and desire to spend time with him and to do the things that he would have us do and to stay close to him. Bonnie would always stay close to you um, and want to be with you and just want to hang out. And I think in a similar way, we um, become trained so that our heart is trained towards um, our master. And like last week, we talked about fasting. That's kind of a bodily sort of training, um, maybe a bit of an adjustment for some of us. Um, and so our heart becomes trained just as much as our body does. Often our heart goes where our body goes to. Um, we don't need to overstretch the metaphor too much because God does sometimes have to help clean up after us as well, um, just as we might have to clean up after our pets. Um, so I thought there was quite a, an interesting connection there with how we're being trained. But if we think about generosity specifically, um, the dictionary defines to be generous as willing to give money, first of all. Yep. But also help, kindness, and especially more than is usual or expected. 
Okay, so what does that actually mean? We've probably heard or figured out that that's how you could define generosity. Um, but what does that look like? So a few months ago when Ruben was talking to me about this series and I looked at the list of topics and I was allowed to pick which one I wanted to preach on, um, I decided to give generosity a go and I thought that it was probably good if I practiced being generous so that I could have some material to um, you know, talk about here. And I'm not sure if I'm always a very generous person so I thought it would be good to um, you know, test myself. And of course, as soon as I said to God, okay, I'll try and be more generous so that I can, you know, really work on this discipline. Of course, then there came a situation where I had to be generous, which is so annoying. Um, I had seen on Facebook a friend of mine um, who lives in Perth put up a status about how he had a couple of friends that were traveling from Perth to New Zealand quite last minute, like next week, and could somebody help put them up um, and give some accommodation. They had to leave Perth because one of them had to renew her visa or something, and so it was all quite last minute, and they didn't really have a lot of extra cash. And so I saw this status, and at first I was like, oh, could I? You know, I sort of hovered. Nobody else had commented on it, which is always awkward, because it had been a couple of hours, and no one else had said anything. So then I decided to act before thinking, and just um, replied, and <laughs> said, yep, I could help, and sent him a message. And Within a couple of hours, it was kind of all arranged that I was going to help. And initially, I thought I could just fob them off to somebody else, you know, one of you who have palaces and houses of your own, um, to put people up in, rather than me, because at that time, I was um, living in a two-bedroom place, me in one bedroom, my flatmate Amy in the other bedroom, didn't have a whole lot of extra space. But I was thinking, okay, I could be, I could be like the, um, the conduit for, you know, um, helping them by letting them go and live with other people while they're here. But... Um, that, of course, didn't happen, um, and I ended up um, going to pick up these two girls from the airport, and so we'll call them from now on the Finns, because they were from Finland, um, and I don't want to use their names, because some of you might know them. Um, so I picked them up from the airport, and it ended up being a week of me really over-committing to being generous to them. So I picked them up from the airport, you know, Beach Haven to Manukau, brought them home, um, and then I offered that they stay in my room, in the double bed, and I would sleep on the couch. I'm quite a long person, and it's not a very long couch, um, and you end up having to bend in awkward and uncomfortable ways. Um, and then I also offered, because I can't say no, um, to drive them into town to sort out, help sort out um, how they were going to get to the bus to take them out of Auckland. I contacted a friend of mine who lives in Rotorua who I thought could maybe put them up if they ended up heading that way. She was able to do that. She actually gave them their car to use while, she, while they were there, so she was way more generous than me. Actually, a bunch of, She's a much better person than me, really. But um, So I let them sleep in my room. I made them coffee and danishes the next morning. Um, Finnish danishes. They weren't really. I also let them have my cereal, which, if you know me, is also a big call. So I love cereal, and it's my special blend, and I really hope they appreciated it. But I was really laying on thick generosity here. Um, and all the while, I really assumed that they would be, the Finns, would be super grateful, you know? I was really looking forward to, like, the last night when they would take me out and pay for dinner um, or give me some petrol money for all the back and forth. You know, I drove them to the airport when they flew out as well. That was also the weekend I was moving house. You know, I was giving up a lot of my time here. Um, I was looking forward to just being, being really appreciated, you know, um, pretty, pretty humbly appreciated. Um, and I guess they were kind of grateful, but really not in the ways that I expected and not as publicly as I expected, you know? Um, 
I mean, they said thank you, but they didn't really do much more than that. And it was only as I had dropped them off from the airport and then was driving home um, that I realised how ridiculous I was being. Um, and here I was trying to practise generosity, which by definition is giving more than expected, and I was expecting a whole lot. Um, so I'm pretty sure that God arranged for those fins to need accommodation just in that same week that I had offered to be more generous to him as a way to remind me how unhumble um, I was being. Um, apparently the right word for that is arrogant, not unhumble, but arrogant sounds really angry, so I'm going to use unhumble, so it's, it sounds softer. Um, but I was just really being ridiculous, and I felt extra bad when a month or so later they sent me a care package um, with, like, Finnish tea bags and, I don't know, I can't even remember what else, licorice and a, a postcard and some gifts from Finland. And so then I felt extra bad that I had been so horrible when they had then sent this um, care package. So we can't often change how other people are going to react. We can really only give out of a generous heart. And I'm not sure I was giving out of a generous heart even though I was being quite generous. It probably wasn't for the right reasons. But I guess, is that, I don't know, is that better than nothing? At least, <laughs> at least doing something, even if it's not for the best reasons. Um, so that was an interesting little experiment, little test case there. Um, I generally like to hope that I give without expecting a return, but there are still heaps of times, and I'm sure it's the same for you, that we expect to get something back, some sort of recognition, some sort of pat on the back, or even just some sort of warm, fuzzy feeling from God that we're like player of the day, you know, Christian of the week or something. Um, but I, I think we expect to get that even if in our minds we're, we're doing it to be extra humble. Um, and I think that's okay because we are flawed humans and we are broken people and we don't do things a lot of the time for the right reasons. Maybe that's just me. But I think it's okay to um, feel that way and to feel like we're inconveniencing ourselves um, and putting ourselves out. And actually we'd want something for it. And I think if we go to God in that sort of moment of discomfort and um, messiness, I think he understands and he will, be, um, he will be close to us and he will remind us gently of our unhumbleness. Um, the other disciplines that we've looked at, scripture reading, um, prayer, worship, they're kind of the fun ones because they get to add, you get to add things into your life by picking up those disciplines. You know, you get to add in sort of extra spiritualness, um, but something like generosity and fasting, they're really the, they're the not, so, not so obviously fun ones, I guess you'd say, because they require much more of a sacrifice of us, right? Fasting from food or fasting from whatever else you're going to do, Facebook or sleep or some of the other things that um, Ruben mentioned, and being generous always involves some form of sacrifice at our own expense, whether that's money or time um, or both. And so we don't really like to do that. And I think that the only way to work on generosity is to practice it. We can talk about it as much as we want from up here, and you can talk about it in your life groups as much as you want, and please do. But if we don't practice it, and if we don't have a few opportunities where we actually are um, asked to be generous and we respond to them, then it's not really going to become any sort of fruit within us. Um, that's what I figure. And... I think even when um, we practice it, it's still going to be a bit of a trial and error situation. We might give it a go and then expect to get something back, you know, cash or a dinner out like I did. Um, and we still might realize our own fallenness and brokenness. But even then, 
is there ever actually a loss? Because I figure that every time we give of ourselves and be generous to somebody else, then that person is being valued and honoured and giving something that's helping them along their way. And even if we do it for the wrong reason, we expect a response, even if we get hurt in the process, God is still having a chance to value and honour and bring life to that person, even if we don't always see it, even if it hurts us in the process. So it's kind of trial and error, but maybe it's just practice and it might not always look really positive or successful for us. But I think that there is a flow-on effect. Um, If God is involved and inviting us to generosity, he will work something out, even if we can't see it happening. So I think the fact is that God holds us responsible for what we have and what we do with that. Um, Even though you might hold it in your hands, it's not really ours to own anyway. Um, And if we... Look through the Bible, there are plenty of examples and a precedent in God's big story of how he is generous to us. That's the other annoying thing about generosity, because God's really generous to us. And we sang and talked this morning about God being good and his unchanging grace. And so when we are called to be generous, it is out of this, the overflow that we have been given. Um, we can't really ignore the, the great story of God and what we have been gifted with. Um, which is also a bit of a pain. Um, We give ultimately because God gave us his son and he gives us an abundance of unconditional grace and love. But the Bible also shares quite a few practical examples of giving. Uh, If you look in Exodus 36, um, Moses asked the people to give to the building of the tabernacle. And so they were asked to give their time, but also their gifts, their talents, their money. Um, And eventually, so many people gave that Moses actually had to ask them to stop giving. Can you imagine um, in Exodus 36, 6 to 7, where it says, And so the people were restrained from bringing more, because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. So that's not every week being reminded to give to whatever cause or campaign or, or issue, but that's, you've actually given too much, just stop giving, stop there, we've got more than enough for what we need. It's a pretty amazing story um, that that can happen. And then we hear in Acts 2 about the ways that the new community of faith lived all together and they shared everything that they had so that everyone had enough around them. Um, We've heard these verses before where everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs being performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Then, of course, one of the hardest testaments um, to generosity comes from Jesus himself um, and the way that he was generous with his life and his words. And One of my favorite verses and chapters in the Bible is from Luke 6, and it talks about the model that we are to live our life from. And I used to find this passage really convicting um, because I read this paraphrase um, from the message. I'll read a few verses, and then the main verse will be up on the slide. Um, So it's Luke 6, verse 27 to 36. To you who are ready for the truth, I say this, love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. If someone slaps you in the face, stand there and take it. If someone grabs your shirt, 
gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. If someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. Live generously. And then this verse from 31. Here is a simple rule of thumb behavior. Ask yourself what you would want people to do for you. Then grab the initiative and do it for them. If you only love the unlovable, do you expect a pat on the back? Run-of-the-mill sinners do that. If you only help those who help you, do you expect a medal? Garden-variety sinners do that. If you only give for what you hope to get out of it, like petrol money, do you think that's charity? The stingiest of pawnbrokers does that. I tell you, love your enemies, help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives towards us, generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind, you be kind. So when I first read that verse a few years ago in the um, message paraphrase, um, I took it to mean that whenever I felt like I needed or wanted something, I should not think about that, think about somebody else, and give to that person. And it was probably misguided, and I probably took the verse out of context, um, because it ended up being that I um, almost denied what I might have needed or wanted or felt at that time, and sort of ignored those feelings and thought, I can't think about myself, I have to think about other people and what they need and give to them. And it took me a few years to realize that that wasn't really helpful, and I wasn't giving out of the best place, um, and I wasn't um, acknowledging what it was that I might have been feeling or experiencing at the time. And I think we need to remember that um, there is always going to be need. And if we decide to be open to all of the ways we can give generously, we would be giving generously every second of every day. And we still need to continue with our own lives, to sleep, to eat, to look after our families, to go to work, to be responsible, to be good stewards. Um, and sometimes the best way to be generous is just to go home, get a good night's sleep, you know, eat three meals a day, look after your children, spend time with your friends, your family, your workmates. That's actually sometimes the best way to be generous because then you're living out of your best when you do come up against a situation. And this isn't an excuse for not giving, but it's just a caution that I've learned to give from a healthy place um, rather than denying yourself and not acknowledging what you actually need. I think we want to be sustainable in how we give and in how we are generous so that this can be an ongoing overflow of our heart. Um, so that's something that I've picked up. I thought that today uh, we would focus on two practical kinds of giving, just as the clouds start to give us rain. Um, and I hope that there are some examples or illustrations or things in here that will encourage you to think about this form of giving for yourself. Um, and then I thought we would talk about why we don't like to give, and that way I can leave you nice and convicted. Okay? So, of course, we're going to start by talking about money. It's our favorite way to be generous, isn't it? Um, it's probably the most talked about way to give. Sometimes it's the one associated with the most guilt. Um, which is unhelpful, so sometimes we just avoid talking about giving money or encouraging people to give money. We've probably all heard stories of people abusing their power um, when it comes to giving to a church or an individual, and so we sometimes just like to avoid it. 
Um, you might have also heard about Rick Warren, who's the pastor of a, of a church in the States, and how he reversed tithes because he gives 90% of his salary away and lives on 10% rather than the opposite. But he possibly makes a bit more money than Ruben does, and so can do that because probably living on 10% might be closer to how we might be living. So it's a really generous um, way to give. But he made that choice to continue to do that as his salary increased, um, to continue to give that kind of ratio. But recently I read about the world's poorest president. Some of you might have seen this um, online. But the president of Uruguay is a guy named um, Jose Murica, I think. Um, and he does a similar thing whereby he gives away 90% of his monthly salary and he gives that away to charities that will benefit the poor in his community where he lives and works and where he's the president of. Um, and this means that his income is at the same level of the average person in Uruguay. Um, so he has the um, potential to live in a state palace but he chooses to live in a little two-bedroom farmhouse with his wife. Um, he doesn't like being called the world's poorest president. That's just something that um, the media have kind of labelled him. But he says, he says about himself, I'm not the poorest president. The poorest is the one who needs a lot to live. My lifestyle is a consequence of my history. There have been years when I would have just been happy to have a mattress, he said. So his understanding of what he needs is not based on what the world thinks that he deserves because he's the president, but it's based on the community that he lives in and of being the same as the other people that are around him, as the everyday man. He takes that worth and that quality of life from them. He also says um, that his views of material possessions are quite different, so he says that this is a matter of freedom. If you don't have many possessions, then you don't need to work all of your life like a slave to sustain them, and therefore you have more time for yourself. Pretty wise words. He also says, I may appear to be an eccentric old man, but this is a free choice. So instead he focuses on sustainability, equality, recycling, sharing resources in his community. Um, and I thought that was a really cool story um, to hear and quite a, um, quite a different one for the world to see, somebody who's in power but is using their power and their leadership um, to serve rather than to gain. But maybe a more practical for us way of being generous is through our tithe, which I'm sure um, many of you do or have done in the past that's giving to the church or to organizations that further God's kingdom. Um, sometimes I notice if we, or I wonder whether we really feel the sting of tithing. Um, if we have a direct debit system where, I don't know about you, but I don't really see or look at the money that's going out. Um, but if I have money in my wallet and I decide to give that in church one day, then I really notice it because that's a 20 that I could have used on something else, and now I feel like it's actually my money. Um, whereas there's something about money mysteriously disappearing, you don't even notice it, it just happens every month on the same date, that you kind of forget about or you sort of ignore. But actually, if, there's, if you've got cash in hand um, and you give that away, it feels, it hurts a bit more. So that's an option for you. Um, I also remember hearing a story from um, the Everett, Stephen and Caroline, some of you will know them. Um, telling how they encourage their kids to give. So I've got a picture of these jars that they have in their kitchen. Um, and one says God, one says save, and one says spend. And so for their two kids, they've encouraged um, them with their pocket money to 
equally put money in each of these three different jars. And so it encourages them to think about their pocket money as actual money and um, actual dollars. And if you put some dollars in the God jar, that's not going to be for you. Um, so I think they could maybe feel the sacrifice that that um, would bring. But also it encourages them to give to God and to causes that are bigger than themselves. And so they, I think, bring the money along to church and give it to the sponsored child that um, Boost supports. And then it also encourages that God has given us good things and God has given us the chance to spend um, some money on the different things that you might like. And if, and if that money is put in the spend jar, then maybe you get to save and think responsibly about what you would like to buy with that. And so I think it's a really cool um, system that maybe some of you, whether you have kids or don't, might like to think about having. Um, you might have, I don't know, it's a bit different from having a swear jar, but maybe it would accrue a really good amount of money by the end of the month um, in each of those different jars. Uh, if you did it with your spare change, or if you just did it with taking out a certain amount of money each week and putting it in these different jars. So I thought that was quite a cool um, system. But it is worth considering that maybe our giving shouldn't always be the spare change, like the few 10 cent pieces that we have less, you know, left in your purse, um, but that actually it should be an amount that does make us uncomfortable. There's this really good um, quote from C.S. Lewis, and he said... I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, then we are probably giving too little away. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. So that might be worth um, considering for yourself whether you feel uncomfortable by the amount of money um, that you're giving away. Maybe that's something you can consider as a family or as an individual or with your partner or even in life groups to discuss and to be honest and transparent about how your giving makes you feel. You don't have to talk about dollar amounts, but how it might make you feel. But I think we are called to be more than just generous with our money. Sometimes we can do the money thing and then feel like we've sort of done generosity. You know, we've finished that one up for the month. Um, I think Jesus has called us to be generous with our time and with our energy and with the things that our heart um, leans towards. Jesus knew that the Pharisees and the religious people, they gave money and he knew that. And a lot of other people knew that as well because they were quite public about it. Um, but he also knew that their hearts weren't generous towards people. And I think that was more of the issue, was that they weren't open and generous towards people and bringing them value. So they used their time instead, instead to pick at people who weren't doing quite the right thing, who weren't keeping the law, rather than to protect those people and care for the poor. The author of um, the Spiritual Disciplines Handbook that we've sort of looked at a few times this series um, to talk about these growing up practices, she speaks about the greatest commandment and also the call in Micah 6.8. And she talks about these two different passages as being necessities to the Christian faith and as being something that if we really embraced them, it would have quite a radical um, shift and change as to how we live our lives. She says if we really took those seriously, we would be people who fought unemployment with job training. With, we would be people who fought illiteracy with education, pollution with technology, oppression with legal protection, 
Disease with medicine, danger with safety, poverty with help, chaos with order, fear with love, hunger with food, and so on. We would grieve our injustice and oppression. We would courageously use our gifts and talents to oppose the results of the fall. So instead, what we tend to focus on is our comforts and using our time to further ourselves, make ourselves feel better, or give to things that um, build us up. Sometimes it's hard to know what is going on. If we are called to be generous, how do we know what to give to in terms of our time? And we might really have the desire to give, we might have some extra time, we might have some ideas um, and some ways we could give, but we don't know where to put that energy. I do think that if we pray and ask God to open our eyes, he will provide those needs for us. There'll probably be a need that you didn't really want to see in the first place, but he will open our eyes to those needs if we ask him. Um, And these spiritual practices, they're all being formed in us so that we can honor God and serve people. Last year, um, I think it was last year in youth group or maybe the year before, we um, did a few weeks on sort of generosity and more more than enough, kind of living out of um, where we were and not expecting to have more. Um, And so I encouraged the group to think about the community that we were in. If we wanted to be generous and be part of the community where we lived and be open to the needs that there might be and how we could serve them. So we did a little neighborhood drive um, one night. We took about 15 minutes, I think, to all hop in different cars with leaders and we drove for about 15 minutes around Albany and sort of the close suburbs. Now some of the kids you know, don't live in Albany but this is our sort of church community base I suppose even if we're from further afield than that and I encouraged the kids in the cars to drive around and if they could not to talk to each other in the car. Okay, So instead of ignoring what was going on around them and what they saw on the streets and in the neighborhood and things, to actually look out the window and take notice of the community that we were in. Because sometimes when you're going somewhere and you're just focused on getting to the mall or getting to work or whatever, you don't, even though you're driving and you're concentrating on the road, you're not really looking at what's going on. I'm not sure if you find that. And sometimes if you're walking or running through your community, you see more or you notice houses or organizations or Um, issues that there might be in your community that you didn't see otherwise. And so I wanted them to do that, to try and look out of the car windows and then come back and we would talk about what they had seen. And so we did that and when they came back they noticed a few different things. They noticed that there were quite a few retirement homes in and around Albany that they hadn't really thought of or looked at maybe before. They noticed that there were a few parks that didn't have very good lighting at night and so didn't appear to be very safe or um, welcoming or inviting or um, just, yeah, mainly safe. They also noticed that there was a bunch of graffiti um, that didn't seem to be getting fixed or changed up. And so these things existed in their neighborhood but hadn't really been thought of until they actually drove around and opened their eyes and and looked at it. Um, And so then we talked about the different ways that maybe we could engage with some of those needs um, that were around. So maybe that retirement home needed a few visitors or a few people to come in and bring value um, to those people. Maybe we could talk to the council about better lighting in the parks um, so that places felt safer when you walked home. Maybe there could be some painting done over the graffiti or maybe it could be turned into some sort of cool mural so that um, something that was messy and a bit broken actually had some purpose um, and some hope brought to it. And so this was something that encouraged us, hopefully, to... um, 
look out and to see places where we could be generous with our time, with our energy, just by opening our eyes to look around us. We don't all have to go over to the other end of the world and be generous um, with our lives in different places. Some of us are called to do that, and that's awesome, but where we are placed is where we can be generous and give of ourselves. So I would encourage you to pray and to ask God to open your eyes, and I think he will show you either somebody that you know or a situation, a community, a group that you know that could need um, some of your time, or maybe it'll be somebody anonymous that you can give to, time or money. Um, I don't think he will not tell you anything. I'm pretty, pretty sure, I'm not going to bet on it, but I'm pretty sure that he will come up with something for you. Um, there's also our, uh, the Christ in Our Community Facebook page that if you're part of involves and offers heaps of different ways that you can give um, in different capacities to people within our local community and further afield. So in terms of time and money, there are ways to give. But of course, we don't always like to give. And if we're honest, it doesn't come naturally to us. It doesn't come naturally to me. Um, maybe it does to you. Because we're pretty selfish people. And we want what we want. We want to have our little corner being quite safe and contained and not too much inconvenienced. Um, and also being generous reminds us of what we think we're entitled to. I don't know if you've ever thought, well, I worked really hard this week, I deserve this paycheck and I deserve to do with it what I want because I earned it. Um, I don't know if you've ever th thought that or even I serve in church every week so I deserve to just come in and uh, enjoy and not give back. Um, but rather, I think there's a way that we can consider these sort of questions instead. What do we need to have to just be content are we willing to share rather than keep to ourselves? Will we live on less so that others can have more? While I've been house-sitting, it's been quite interesting because I've only taken a few bags of things with me to each place, um, and so the rest of my stuff is in storage. It's just mainly books and dresses. It's kind of all I own in the world. Um, it's a good life, though, I think, books and dresses. Um, but it is funny how little you realise that you actually need day-to-day um, there's, there's, all your, there's all your comforts and your treasures and your nice possessions, but when you don't have them every day and you just have what you can fit in your car, um, then you realise what actually provides you security and comfort and what doesn't and what could be um, gotten rid of or moved on or um, gifted away. And that's fine. I think it's quite nice to remind ourselves what we might need or think we need, but actually when we go without it, it doesn't make too much of a difference to us. Um, perhaps you have a whole lot of extra money and you would like to consider how to give that um, generously away. Or perhaps you have a whole lot of time and you would like to consider how to give that generously away. And as I've said, I think if we prayerfully and practically ask God, he will bring those situations to us. But maybe you don't have an excess of both. Maybe you don't have a whole lot of money or a whole lot of time right now. I think another sneaky way, because I'm not letting you off the hook here, is uh, to consider being generous with our words and how we treat each other. That's a whole other topic, but the way that we bring value to people in our interactions with them, be they people that we see every day and that we love because they're in our family or because we have to or because we want to, we work with them, or even just people who serve us particularly, um, who offer a service to us, how we treat those people and how we bring value to them um, can be huge, I think. And I've really tried to work on this um, 
and when I have an interaction with somebody at the petrol station, at the supermarket, at wherever, to actually bring a bit of value to them and to remind them that even though they're doing something for me, that they're actually still a valued person who is appreciated and is more than just doing something that I want them to do. So that's been something I'm really challenged on. And another way that we can be generous in our words and how we speak well of people. So I would encourage us to pray each day for ways that we can honour God through serving other people and being open to where he might have us move. So I'd like to pray as we finish and I would love us to consider these things um, and to do these things out of the generosity that we have been shown. So let's pray. God, earlier this morning we sang about your unchanging grace and we just thank you again for that this morning and for the abundant ways that you have um, loved and cared for us by sending your son, um, by offering us to be close to you in a relationship where we are now family. Um, we don't really understand or we can't really comprehend all that that means, but we're so um, grateful and in awe of you. Um, and Father, we would, we would love to be generous and to overflow that generosity that you have given to us to other people. Um, and God, even when that's hard and we don't really want to and it's inconvenient to us and it hurts or we don't get the recognition, um, Father, just keep our hearts soft towards you and open to you. And I would ask that you would remind us of people and situations that you would have us be generous in. Um, and we just thank you for your grace that is new and fresh and your mercies that are new every day. Um, we don't give because we have to, or because of out of any obligation or guilt, but because we want to and we love you. So thank you for this time together this morning. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.